Just do it. When hearing this phrase, the first thing that probably pops up in everyone's head is Nike or even that one Shia LaBeouf commercial. But those three words, as you will soon hear, were the ones that helped entrepreneur Malte Nebelschitz start it all. I'm your host, Sabrina Lay, and welcome to episode four of Inspired by Immigrants. This podcast is sponsored by Rocketta Labs. Rocketta Labs is a startup accelerator based in San Francisco Bay Area. Some opportunities the accelerator provides for startups include mentoring and feedback from experienced sales, software and marketing professionals, marketing on the company website, and depending on if there's synergy, revenue sharing partnerships, and access to our global sales channels. If you would like more information, visit our website at kyoceralabs.com. In at least one point in our life, we have an idea or an opportunity that randomly pops in our head that can potentially make an impact in the world. This is exactly what happened to founder and CEO of Shore Buddies. Malte Nebelschutz is a German native who moved to San Diego, California in 2011. Inspired by the beautiful coastline of Southern California, but confused with the intensive use of single-use plastic in precious coastal environments, Malta took on the challenge to improve the world. Shore Buddies is the world's first stuffed animal made from 100% post-consumer recycled plastic bottles. By 2020, Shore Buddies has now kept over 500,000 plastic bottles from entering the environment and turned them into cute, soft, stuffed animals. If you want more information on his startup or where you can purchase said stuffed animals, you can visit his website at shore-buddies.com. In this episode, you will discover how Malta's idea came about, how he brought this idea to life, and how he was able to stick through and promote and prosper his business despite the many challenges that came his way. With that, let's get this interview started. So thank you so much, Malta, for joining me on this podcast today. Yeah, Sabrina, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So what inspired you to create Shore Buddies and this stuffed animal company? It kind of like found me. So for me, it was, yes, there was a moment of inspiration, 100%, but it kind of really started, you know, um, I'm originally from Germany mm-hmm. and totally came to San Diego, California by chance. For me, it was love of her side, the, the ocean, the coastline, everything so beautiful. And uh, what I learned here, you know, even like a clean beach that you think we have in California is not really that clean if you look very closely. That a beach cleanup is really a thing, right? And people love to take care of the ocean and clean up the beaches but what really confused me is everyone was so excited and obsessed literally of keeping the beaches clean was yeah mainly the restaurant industry right like you sit down at a place and you actually have ocean view you are there on the patio but the thing they do is they put this big plastic cup with a huge plastic straw right in front of you and it's like well we all talk about you know cleaning up the beaches and cleaning up the ocean but this is where kind of like the problem starts you know where's this green california everyone is talking about right like in germany you grow up with this picture of california you know that's the forefront of green revolution everyone is eco-friendly everyone recycles everyone hugs a tree in the morning you know california 
yeah, the restaurant industry, you know, this casual use of single-use plastic really, really tipped me over. Um, and I was wondering, you know, well, where's this green California everyone is talking about, right? Cannot just be Tesla. And then uh, one day I find this company, uh, outdoor company from uh, Ventura, California, Patagonia, and learn that they are making their jackets and T-shirts and all their apparel from recycled uh, plastic bottles. And those guys have been doing it since the 90s. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, entrepreneurial spirit kicks in. Um, and I was reading the article. Um, on my laptop in my apartment and it's like okay what else can you make from recycled material right and uh, I put my laptop aside I look up and the first thing I saw was literally a, a stuffed animal you know it was kind of like huh if you can make a t-shirt you can you can make a stuffed animal you know and uh, what started as a novel idea here in San Diego in uh, 2014 um, really spiraled into its own industry right we were the first one ever making a stuffed animal 100% inside outside all from recycled plastic bottles and now it's a movement you know stuffed animals from recycled plastic bottles it's almost its own niche in the industry in plush and in fact we were running as a toy of the year award for this year but only got uh, second after baby Yoda but hey you cannot be the jet that's so that is awesome so it was mainly like a i look out and i found this one thing and just got inspired by just looking out (laughs) yeah i feel like this is kind of like how how we entrepreneurs all all work right we we see a problem and then just like immediately try to think about ways to to solve it sometimes you just have to inspire and then the the other important step i feel every entrepreneur has to do is just like follow through right like if you don't take action it remains an idea I know some of our listeners are really interested in addition to, you know, how to start an idea, how to actually bring it to life. Cause you previously said, you know, an idea is just an idea if there's no action taken. So what steps did you take in order to really promote this business and make sure buddies how big it is right now? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question, right? How do you even get started? For me, it was kind of easy because I literally had no idea where to start, right? I have a background in IT and in business management. And that's what I've been doing my, my whole life, right? Designing databases, you know, helping you develop certain software applications, um, also kind of like managing like bigger scale projects, but the stuffed animal, I don't know where to start, right? So like I kind of had that idea. So all started with a with a seagull. So like I grew up in the middle of Germany. We're literally very landlocked, but uh, my dad is a yeah, passionate sailor. So every summer, uh, my mom loves the beach. So every summer, you know, we're like in the car for hours and hours to drive to our um, vacation location um, by the ocean. And once I got out of the car and heard that seagull sound like, right? For me, it was always the call for the ocean. And I know in Southern California, those are not the, the friendliest birds on the beach, but I just always love the seagull sound because for me, that was like, yeah, that's the call of the ocean. We are there, right? We are right by the ocean. So this is kind of like, I want to have a seagull, right? So I knew that I wanted to start with that, but then also have, uh, you don't want to start with one product. So you kind of want to like diversify a little bit. So when we first started out, sure, buddies, we knew we want to do three animals. We had the seagull, uh, was a harbor seal because there's a huge harbor seal population down here in Southern California and a dolphin, right? Like a dolphin is kind of like the most friendly um, ocean animal. So we want to start with those three different animals. And literally the first thing I had to do is like, how how do you design a stuffed animal, right? So and then go to Google and I feel like the, the internet is your friend. I always say like what I did um, would have not been possible 20 years ago. 
um, everything is so interconnected and everything is right in front of you. And nowadays, in non-in-person meetings are on an all-time high and highly accepted. But for me, when I started, was was a Google search, uh, how to design a custom stuffed animal. And that's how we found uh, um, yeah, our first designer who designed the first three stuffed animals. Um, we're still in contact today and uh, actually have a call with him tomorrow. Um, helping him now with another project, kind of like, you know, we came, became friends along the progress. But from there, right, now you have your design. How do you get into manufacturing? And this is literally where you have to knock on many different doors, especially when you're trying to do something new, right? So for, for us, the typical plush animal manufacturers, the factories we contacted, it was more multi what do you do stuffed animals plastic ball well, why why no one needs that are you crazy i was like yeah a little bit i guess i have to you know for for this kind of project but what does it have to do with anything right can you do this can you make this and um you know you get a lot of no's um it's not relevant for people but everything is a crazy idea until it becomes reality right so um eventually found one partner um overseas who was like really interested and and saw the vision and yeah we started started developing the, the line together and has been growing from there, right? Just getting started, finding the right partners, finding someone who believes in your idea, uh, I think is very critical. So how how were you able to, you know, successfully like advertise your product? So you have it designed, you had it manufactured. How did you spread the word of, ladies and gentlemen, here is your stuffed animal made from recyclable products? It's hard to say, you know, what is the, what is the magic sauce? What is the golden um, nugget to really get the word out there? And it's, it's very different, you know, over time. In the beginning, we didn't really have much money for, for marketing uh, campaign, right? Also, we had no proof of concept. We had no, no, no test, right? We didn't even know if that's something actually the mass market is that interested in. But we did it, right? We like went into production. It's like, okay, we're going to start with a small batch. Um, and I think that that's really key for everyone, you know, who's starting out. Start with the most uh, or the minimum sellable product, right? So like, what does it really have to do? You know, you don't need all the belts and whistles. You don't need everything in there, but go ahead, you know, get out there, do it, um, bring it to market, bring it to concept, bring it to the stores and get proof of concept. And um, yeah, how, how do we spread the word? Um, it kind of like depended over the years, right? Like, let's say the first hundred stores we got into, it was literally me going from store to store, pitching the product, pitching the concept, telling how, how amazing it is um, and how great it is and how things like uh, really beneficial for the store. And uh, we had early adapters. Um, we had also, you know, people like, what do you do? Stuff, animals, stuff, uh, no. Good luck, brother. <laughs> but what really helped us was um, when 2018 came around, it was really a game changer in the market and how, how plastic, uh, ocean plastic pollution is perceived as a global problem, right? And um, right before COVID, we had so many yeah, wins in the non-reusable plastic industry, right? Like uh, New York State, for example, in March 2020, that's when they banned plastic bags, right? So that's how hot this topic was. I always say like we made so much progress in 2019 against single-use plastic that we made in 20 years before. So this was really a hot topic, right? And that's where Shore Bodies was right in there in the market. 
And, you know, now from yeah myself going into stores and pitching the product, you know, each store at a time, um, we upgraded to, you know, like being a trade show, being available there. Um, last year, 2020, right before the pandemic, we were one of the most trending toys in New York Toy Fair. Um, we showed the line internationally. We uh, just this morning uh, got a got an order from a distributor in Sweden who's going to bring in the product. Um, now we're in over seven countries. Um, we have a sales team here. Um, and uh, there was actually uh, right before this call, we had our internal sales meeting, uh, was calling on retailers, you know, pitching the product there. But it's very interesting. You know, I always have to say it's you have to pivot, you have to adapt as a business, right? Like this entire idea of being at trade shows and then being available and, and retail, all of that has changed a lot um, over the last, what is it now, 18 months. Has social media in any way kind of changed the business that you are currently running? We have a direct communication and direct feedback with our with our customers, with our audience, uh, with our fans. Yeah, having them able to chime in, right? As I said earlier, we really start with the the minimal sellable product, right? So and like get better. Every every production run we do with a show body, we kind of like add in little detail, you know, or integrate feedback we get from our customers. And uh, we even went around where we incorporated social media feedback, right? It's like, okay, we're going to redesign the, the hat of our stuffed animal turtle, uh, how it's going to look like, right? So we, we use like Instagram um, and, and getting like little um, questions in there. Should it be this way or should it be that way? So it really helps us to connect even more to our fan base, to our audience and, and getting the direct feedback out there and also giving audience especially the kids a voice so we started last year something called the the sure buddy show um where we give you know tips about recycling about keeping plastics out of the ocean becoming more sustainable in a household and it's a lot of you know kids who now love to go in front of the camera and tell their stories so we are just literally using our social media presence to amplify those kids messages you know and have them reach the world with their message and what they want to communicate towards a more sustainable future that's awesome. You know, Malte, I wanted to ask you something. You know, be, um, this is a podcast about um, international entrepreneurs and obviously you're one of them. But once you told me the story where you uh, were working in Germany before you came here, kind of uh, depressed in your in your cubicle in your office and you looked in the window, you saw the rain. Can you tell us like in a couple of few minutes, the journey you did from, you know, leaving a comfortable, respected job in Germany, which is, you know, uh, it's not a bad place to live and the decision to come here to California and starting your business. Maybe, you know, because I think it will, it will inspire a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was an opportunity for me. It was kind of funny. Um, like I know San Diego is it's called America's finest for a reason. I ended up here. I'm the, I'm, I always say I'm the luckiest boy on the planet, right? I got chopped right into paradise. And uh, how it happened was my girlfriend at that time, um, she finished her PhD um, at the University of Hamburg and um, got funding from the German government. And, um, you know, all she had to find was a lab. And San Diego is a huge biotech space. And um, I'm literally sitting in my office. It was really like a corporate job. And I always kind of had, had that idea. I wanted to do something. You know, it was my second job after college and I was still young. And uh, she presented me that opportunity. It's like, hey, I got this job offer here in San Diego. And finally, my, my initial response was, how is that going to work? My Spanish uh, is has a lot of room for improvement. She was like, Mal, what are you talking about? I was like, Santiago in South America, they speak Spanish down there. 
<laughs> San Diego, California, United States of America. They speak English there. So uh, yeah, we had this opportunity to come here for for two years. And yeah, those two years was really a pivotal moment. You know, like leaving corporate. There must be other things out there in the world, right? So like, look at what what it is and just be aware. You know, put your antennas out there, and maybe the opportunity will find you. You know, and uh, like I did one of the things um, that I would recommend everyone needs to do is is network. You know, when you come to the new city. I literally did not know anyone um, here in the city, so I really came here and started networking a lot. And the first company I started was an IT consulting company where I worked with a lot of scientists, um, helped them, you know, organize their their inventory, their of their agents, of their um, yeah samples on chemicals and all of that. Um, but then, yeah, one thing led to the other, um, and I got inspired to to really start chill bodies. Um, and as I said, I felt like kind of that that found me. But for me, it was, yeah, why not, right? Like, why not? You have this opportunity, why fight it? You have a secure job, but hey, you're still young. As, as, as far as I know, we have one life, you know, might as well live it by the fullest. I was actually wondering, like, because I know that you said that you had to network. You didn't know anyone coming to San Diego. So how did you find that community after coming in as essentially a stranger or an outsider? I think it's hard to say that in, in, you know, it's kind of like in the COVID situation we are still in right now. But believe it or not, you know, back in the days, which is like almost 10 years ago now, but they were like in-person meetings, you know, they were like industry, like meetup, um, had like a lot of events and there were, were other things, you know, like industry happy hours where you go to networking events. So there's a lot of great things that, that are put out there in the community. And then also San Diego has an amazing startup community, the San Diego Startup Week, which helps you, you know, to connect areas in the startup world. Um, all the colleges here in San Diego, although you're not a student there, they have amazing programs, you know, that help you with, with on entrepreneurship definitely want to want to point out the the brink at uh, university of san diego misty Rath, she's definitely a, a trooper she's a huge help you know throughout the entire journey but also typical sources like score help really to to formulate like a first business plan and all those kind of things i'm a big believer you know that the university of youtube kind of you know like leads you to a lot of different things and, and helps you gain that and then yeah you just have to go out there and mingle tell the world what you have to offer but also listen listen what the world needs yeah and I was wondering too about that example that you talked about of how this vendor that you were working with turned out that they didn't execute it properly so how do you pick those right people that will help you you know with your business uh, we're getting better at it by defining who we are um, and what we want, right? So, and it's also very much of a learning curve, right? Like learning and understanding that. But um, last year, we really took the pandemic to really go inside as a business as well. You know, like what are our values? Why do we exist? Why do we want that? And based on that, we shifted a lot of uh, partnerships, a lot of uh, business relationships around that's really, I think, going forward is really what determines that, right? So like we are a mission-driven social impact business, right? We are not just here for one bottom line. We really want to, you know, educate and empower the kids that there's a way to keep the plastics out of the ocean also in a playful way. And this is where it's a business, right? Like I started this. I want to work with the people that I like, you know, that are aligned with our mission. And I feel like it's tough and it might take some some extra time to pick the right partners but the investment in the beginning is worth it in the long run right if you just go there for a quick dollar or for someone it's like oh yeah i got this for you um 
it's it always hurts. It always fires back. You know, the the relationships um, in business is everything. Um, and I think relationships, you know, like uh, between human beings, that's what we want to do. That's all everyone wants to do. You know, at the end of the day, people want to do business with people. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense, especially it's like it's always thinking about what it like, what are the benefits in the long run rather than like that instant gratification. You know, Malte, I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you talk about some of the achievements, milestones, but why don't you take us a little bit back to um, moments where you felt that you were failing and um, there's no point to even continue doing this idea and what made you, you know, leap forward and leave this negative thoughts behind and uh, maybe kind of give us an example and, and maybe some tips how to overcome that. It's a great question. I have this one visual always in my head, right? Like when we think about success, when we think about successful people, like we think about it the straight line, but the opposite is the, is the case. You know, the life as an entrepreneur is like the ups and downs. It's more than a roller coaster than, than we like to admit, right? So when is like, oh my God, I'm gonna like, you know, I'm over this, I don't wanna do this. This happens, you know, like three times before breakfast on a single day. <laughs> I'm the king of the world. Oh my God, there's no way I can keep continuing doing this. But one very good example um, that really came to mind was um, last year where we had a really, yeah, not so pleasant experience with, uh, with a supplier. Um, we shipped a container and we had an agreement um, on a payment plan, but ended up, you know, this agreement was broken um, because our supplier all of a sudden understood that they have this agreement anymore. And it ended up the container being hold um, at the port in LA, which occurred many additional dollars in, in storage fees. And at that time it was really like, oh my God, we're gonna miss uh, the, the holiday season for sales. We're gonna miss on so many opportunities. Also we incurring all those additional costs, but then really, you know, going inwards and realizing, okay, what is happening here? You know, like it's really things happening for a reason. So instead of this is gonna break my back, this is something I can grow and learn from, right? So one learning experience was that from the supplier to understand that even the person who you are making the deals with might not be the person who's going to be able to execute 100%, right? So what turned out is our longstanding partner made an agreement with us, but his two other business partners overruled this decision without us knowing. So father was like, okay, this person, you know what he says, everything is going to go by that. And um, yeah, what keeps you going? It's like you have to be the first and last believer in your idea. You know, like if you keep losing faith, everyone else is going to be like, okay, is, is he sure he's going to do that? No, you have to be that. You have to push. You have to keep continuing. And it's kind of funny. Like I'm a big fan of the book from Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist, and it has one amazing line. If, if you want something really badly, the entire universe will conspire for you to make it happen. So like a lot of times you see like, oh my God, this is not going to work out. But then you get another wind under your wings you know that keeps pushing you from a complete maybe unforeseen direction so they're always kind of ways they keep you pushing and if you really want it you find ways to make it happen yeah i love that yeah it's important to keep that positive mentality and, and know that it's not a straight line as you said you know, it's part of the journey to go up and down you know? i like that yeah, and I was wondering too about that that example that you talked about, you know, how this vendor that you were working with, they didn't execute it properly. So how do you pick those right people that will help you with your business? We're getting better at it. Let's just say that uh, we're getting better at it by defining who we are um, and what we want, right? So, and it's also very much of a learning curve, right? Like learning and understanding that. 
But um, last year, we really took the pandemic to really go inside as a business as well. You know, like, what are our values? Why do we exist? Why do we want that? And based on that, we shifted a lot of uh, partnerships, a lot of uh, business relationships around. That's really, I think, going forward is really what determines that, right? So, like, we are a mission-driven social impact business, right? We are not just here for one bottom line. We really want to, you know, educate and empower the kids that there's a way to keep the plastics out of the ocean, also in a playful way. And this is where it's a business, right? Like I started this, like I want to work with the people that I like, that are aligned with our mission. And I feel like it's tough and it might take some extra time to pick the right partners, but the investment in the beginning is worth it in the long run, right? If you just go there for a quick dollar or for someone, it's like, oh yeah, I got this for you. It always hurts. It always fires back. You know, the, the relationships in business is, is everything. Um, and I think relationships, you know, like uh, between human beings, that's what we want to do. That's all everyone wants to do. You know, at the end of the day, people want to do business with people. Is there anything that you wish you would have known before you started up? I'm not sure if there's anything I would have wished that I known, but um, I can tell you one thing I would have done differently um, under all circumstances. Sure Buddies for the longest time was you know, the typical solopreneur and started everything out by myself. So one thing, any business I'll, I'll start in the future, I will not start by myself again. This is definitely one thing I would have invested more time in finding uh, at least a co-founder um, or partners along the way that would have skin in the game, right? Like I had mentors. I was really lucky getting advice from amazing people. But someone who also has skin in the game in a business, I think that would be something I would definitely recommend uh, starting out, you know, put in that extra time, find someone who aligns with your vision and aligns with your goals. And ideally, you both have different skill sets or, you know, the three of you, four of you, how many co-founders are might out there. But yeah, one thing I would recommend is don't go by yourself. You know, they say if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, team up. Where do you think this is going in the next five years in terms of your personal goals and the company? Considering what we had in the past year with the pandemic and the whole thing, has this changed your your plans? And also, what do you think is going to happen for you personally and the company? It's a great question. So the next five years, that's hard, right? Like if we learned anything about the last 18 months, everything changed uh, in a blink of an eye. But the world around us definitely has changed. So what we are seeing in 2020 was a pivotal year for us. We used to have 80% of our revenue coming from brick and mortar retail, meaning us selling to stores and then the stores selling to customers and all of a sudden that completely disappeared in 2020 so for us the big challenge was we have to find customers online right and the stuffed animals nothing a parent really plans on buying right like there's not one dad waking up on a saturday morning it's like my daughter needs another stuffed dolphin today i make it a mission to find this stuffed dolphin ideally it also has the authentic animal sound and i'm not going to go to bed this saturday until my daughter has the stuffed animal so for us it was really tricky to find who is our buyer online and with sure Buddies being sustainable product and having this educational message, we had to do some research, but it turns out it's a great product that someone else loves to buy for someone else's kids. And who buys toys for someone else's kids? It's the grandparents. So grandmom was literally our customer that we found online when grandmas are on Facebook and the e-commerce market is growing rapidly, right? This is the way kind of like we shop, but it's really more quality than quantity. Like when we shop, we shop more consciousness. Like in a store, we kind of cut out this impulsive purchase. Online, we are really more 
hey, what is this? Is this great? And this is a line. So this is where really the show body branding really comes in and where social media plays a big role to really tell our story, right? Like I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, who always says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And this is literally what we're trying to convey with show bodies. It's like, we are here. You know, we want to help right. the kids to make better decisions in the future. A few exciting things we have is really like bringing those two worlds together, right? The physical toy, the stuffed animal, and then we are developing a heavy digital footprint on it as well, you know? And then the idea is really you have your phone or you have your tablet and then connect it with the show body stuffed animal and learn about how you can keep plastics out of the ocean and in a playful way, right? It is at the end of the day, it's a toy. And I'm a big believer that we learn the best when we're in this playful state of mind, when we learn and adapt the quickest, right? So this is why games are so great to teach anyone about anything. And this is really uh, the combination of the digital and the physical toy worlds is really what we are excited about over the next coming years. Do you have any advice, you know, for aspiring immigrant entrepreneurs, whether it's the journey from their country to here, whether it's starting a business? I think just be like Nike, you know, like just do it execution over perfection don't don't be afraid of failure failure is one of the most natural things you know don't be afraid of failure but learn from it pay attention go out there and network and also for me when i came here it was a clean slate right like it was there was there was nothing else like take this opportunity right there's anything literally you can achieve in your world and just go around check what are your resources and just bring them to value so like there probably is not any better start to start a business from that ad like um if i could have get back find the same job in, in corporate and do the same thing again or just be like okay i'll take this opportunity you know like this is a change of my personal life there's a change of my professional life let's just go you know be curious be exploring and then find things and if you already have an idea you know that solves a problem for someone else, you're in a good track, you know, have the courage and then go and do it. And there you have it, folks. If you and a friend have an idea or a passion, don't be afraid to pursue it and follow your dreams. The worst that can happen, you learn and you grow from it. I'm Sabrina Lay, and thank you to all of you listeners for tuning in, and I will see you in the next episode.